Welcome everybody to Techler Talk 16. We got some big news, a lot of headlines being made about the government getting access to your messages via the notifications and other sensitive data through your notifications and what's encrypted, what's not encrypted, how do governments get access to this? Does this mean Apple and Google are collecting this as well? We have a lot of questions and Jonah and I are gonna talk about it and discuss what we know and what we don't know. Um, Tor Project has made some really fun announcements recently, and uh, both Jonah and I tuned in to at least the first day of their kind of announcement talking about things, so we'd like to relay some of those things for people who uh, want to follow what's going on in the privacy world. And then also, um, I got to speak at a panel this morning um, for the Bitwarden Open Source Security Conference, and so I'm going to talk about how that was and what to expect from here. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was a good Lots intro. Lots of stuff today, cool. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to start with the story of what's going on with Apple and Google at the moment? Yeah. So one of the headline stories from privacy this week was that Apple revealed that push notification spying has been going on from foreign governments. Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon posted an open letter to the Department of Justice on the 4th this week, um, basically out saying that he got a tip that foreign governments were using um, uh, data from Apple and Google's push notification services to track people, um, and the U.S. government had implemented some sort of gag order preventing Apple and Google from disclosing such surveillance, basically. Um, so there's been a lot of headlines about um, like what that means, what the government can actually access as far as your push notification goes. Um, right. And uh, so just before we get into the nitty gritty, I believe that what happened is Senator Ron Wyden got a tip. He sent this public letter. And because he sent that, Apple did come forward and said, yes, this is true. We now have an, like a, an ability and a reason to, talk, to say this publicly now. So it has been confirmed by Apple. Yes. Um, and also before we dive into the technical details, it's worth mentioning this isn't actually anything super new. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of privacy organizations that have already talked about this for a long time. And there's actually already many projects who already have safety precautions in place because of this concern. And it's not something we've probably done the best job at talking about in the past, but it is something that we have been aware of in the past as well. And we have casually mentioned how people like Proton, Signal, and whatnot have done a few things a little bit differently in regards to push notifications when they can. But we're going to get more into that. So why don't you start with the issue and why Apple and Google can access notification content in the first place. And I guess I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, what not it just a notification? Do you want to explain how notifications work and why this is an issue in the first place? Right. Because I think a lot of people don't understand how push notifications work because it's kind of a complicated thing that people just take for granted, I think. Right. So on Android and iOS, um, apps can't run in the background to like check for data on the internet or that kind of thing. Um, for battery related reasons. So what they have set up instead is they only make a single connection to either Apple or Google's push notification service, um, which then sends um, the apps on your phone information about like when they should wake up, when they should get some data, when they should show you a notification, that kind of thing. Um, and that's supposedly more efficient. And I think a lot of people will find that it is more efficient because when you use like apps without Google Play services on Android, like Signal, for example, that run in the background all the time. A lot of people report additional battery drain, that kind of thing, um, for keeping that connection constantly open. So um, it makes sense from a battery perspective to have all of this stuff kind of centralized on one source on these mobile platforms. Um, but what it means is that Apple and Google have like more visibility into um, the notifications that you're receiving. So 
in this case, you brought up like the privacy protections that a lot of, especially encrypted apps have in place, um, like Signal and Proton Mail. They will um, encrypt. They will either take two approaches. They'll encrypt your notifications um, before they send it to you. So Proton Mail does this where um, they generate like a key on your device locally that's different from like your Proton account encryption key, and then all of the notifications that they send you, the content is encrypted with that key, kind of end to end from their server to your phone. So stuff like subject line, which isn't like necessarily always encrypted end to end, um, is something that they'd have access to, but they would send it encrypted through that push notification. So that Apple can't see the subject line, that kind of thing. Um, the other approach- I believe Tutanota does the same thing too as well for people yeah, curious. Yeah, most likely. Um, the other approach is that some apps like Signal and like Element for Matrix um, will send just a blank push notification that wakes up the app and then the, the notification gets entirely locally generated on your device. So in either of those cases, the content of the push notification is not ever like seen by Apple and could never be shared. So it's not affected by this threat basically. Um, but what Apple or Google can see is the fact that you're using these apps and when you're getting push notifications and none of uh, neither of those solutions really solve that particular problem. Um, so that's the main like metadata concern surrounding this type of surveillance here. Right. And that's also in the scope of the privacy world. So I assume it sounds like Signal, Proton, Tutanota, and probably a lot of other privacy organizations actively prepared for this issue. And it's something that they've talked about for a while. But uh, let's say Facebook, for example, you know, is Facebook doing this in Facebook Messenger? I'm not pressing for that specific app, mm -hmm. but in general, are most people doing this or is this actually probably an issue for most app developers? Um, so it really does depend on the app for sure. Um, it is in Apple's like best developer guidelines to encrypt all personal information and notifications. So typically the only information in a notification that isn't going to be encrypted is like non-personal information, like kind of ads that you would get from apps and that kind of thing. But usually when personal sensitive information is involved, they take one of these approaches. Um, it's usually like some sort of end-to-end -end encryption between the client app and the server. Um, so when it passes through Apple servers, that isn't the case. So I think you'll find that with most messaging applications, this isn't actually a major concern. Um, as far as specifics, you'd have to like look into the specific app, but. Got it. And for people wondering, because people are like, wait, I use a custom ROM or I have some weird ass config. I don't know. Some of the things I see you people do is really weird. <laughs> but so um, if you're on iOS, you use APN, that's Apple's push notification service. And there's not really anything to do there. You're on iOS. Just make sure you're using apps like Signal and whatnot who are taking care of this by default. Mm -hmm. And on the Android side of things, if you're using stock Android or any other stock ROM, or um, if you're using something from Motorola or Samsung, and it uses uh, Google Play services, then you're using GCM, which is Google's version of this. And GCM, there's GCM, and isn't there a new one now? Well, there's Firebase Cloud Messaging, which is Firebase. the same thing. Thank you. Brand. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so Firebase is the updated version of GCM, if I remember that yeah. correctly. And for custom ROM users, if you're using MicroG, there is a way to essentially activate your phone to use GCM and or Firebase. And so if you are doing that, you are still going to be impacted by this. Yep. But but in a lot of custom ROMs, you're not going to be using MicroG by default. And so if you don't have any kind of Google Play services or any kind of Google Play services compatibility layer, you're also unaffected by this on Android. Um, now, we talked before the call how people like Molly have different solutions in place. Molly is a signal fork for Android. Yep. So you can get it from F-Droid. 
and you mentioned they do something different. Yeah, what was that? I was just looking into Molly. Um, there's an alternative to Firebase cloud messaging on Android um, called Unified Push, which is like an open source push notification service. Um, unfortunately, it kind of requires integration on the server side of things. So it's not like something you can replace in all of your apps at the moment. If your app is built for Firebase cloud messaging, it's going to use that um, regardless. But um, with supported with apps that support unified push like Molly and Element, um, you can basically swap out Google service for whatever you want. So there, there's a bunch of different like backends um, that you can either self-host or will be hosted for you. You can kind of choose between a lot of different notification providers basically. Um, in Molly's case, because it requires like a server side integration, you do, you do have to run some code on um, a remote server to get those notifications. So it's not, um, quite as good because Signal hasn't built in unified push support on their server end. So you kind of have to do that stuff for them, unfortunately. Um, but for other messaging apps like Element, for example, it where it's built into the server and the client, um, you can replace Google's notification service like completely wholesale um, with a unified push backend instead. Super cool. Mm -hmm. um, do you know what Signal does? Because I remember there was a point in time where I was using Android without any Google Play services and without any um, compatibility layer or anything to mimic Google Play services. And so it really was just vanilla Android. Uh, and Signal, as you said, has the background app refresh thing. Or, and that's not the background app, but it has a background connection constantly established. Yeah. So you can always receive Signal notifications. So does that go through Unified or is that its own thing that just keeps the app open pretty much all day? just fetching for updates. That's its own separate thing. So Signal only has either, you can keep a connection to Signal server open directly through that background web socket um, constantly. If you don't have Google Play services at all, or if you do have Play services, you have to use um, Firebase cloud messaging. That's Those are the only options Got that it. they offer. Um, the advantage of something like Unified Push, if more applications develop or were used, if more applications could use Unified Push, um, it can act as a single backend. So like multiple apps, like Molly, Element, any other app that use Unified Push can all use the exact same background connection, just like how all the apps use the current one Google connection right now. So it would be more efficient if more apps adopted an alternative like Unified Push. But at the moment, there isn't a lot of support for it outside of like open source apps on Android and that kind of thing. Got it. Super cool. Mm -hmm. Well, on my end, I'd be... Curious, you know, definitely add on your thoughts and your perspectives. Um, on my end, I think that it's a good thing to be aware of. Um, I wouldn't have guessed that the government would care that much about push notifications. And so I'm a little surprised to hear that that's what they're targeting. And I think it's in some ways almost good news because I feel like that it me probably means that they're struggling to get that same information from other places. Right. Um, because, you know, I think a lot of people have this idea that Apple just hands over to the government every app that you have installed, everything you're doing 24-7 because it's all proprietary. And we just haven't seen the evidence for that necessarily. And I think this actually kind of... Again, we don't know. We're trying to look at this via the evidence and the research available to us and the news that has come out and the documents that have been leaked. It isn't just like, oh, here's everyone's phones and every home screen and every app that people have and how much they use their phones. This, I think, speaks to like a very subtle and easier way to try to get some of that information that they probably can't authorize easily acquire. Um, 
And when it comes to people listening, you're probably wondering, is this something I should be concerned about? Um, I'm not going to be changing anything. Um, the apps that are, are sensitive, I know are taking care of this. I use Signal, I use Proton, I use Tutanota. Like these are all things that take care of that for me. And those are where I have the most sensitive things. So I don't, I'm not concerned about this. I don't think many people need to be concerned about this, but it's still an issue that just needs to be patched. It's kind of like, this is, this just shouldn't be unencrypted at all. Right. <laughs> so I hope that Apple and Google roll out a better version of this so that we don't even have to think about this problem. And yeah, I don't know if you have a different take. Well, even regardless of encryption, there are still like attacks against um, the metadata content of these notifications that might be used against you. So like, say the government, for example, sees a screenshot of like a group chat, for example, that has messages in different timestamps. They could ask um, like Apple, for example, to make a list of all the users that received push notifications from Telegram or whatever this group chat is at all of these exact times. And they'd use they'd be able to use that to narrow down exactly like who might be in this group mm. chat, for example. That's one possible threat you'd see here based on just like timing alone. Um, so there are still like concerns about the metadata surrounding these notifications and not necessarily the content themselves. Um, I think this kind of attack has been known for a while. It's not like super new information to anybody um, right. who's been looking into this stuff. I think the, the more important right. news from this story is that like the government is still like implementing gag orders to prevent like companies like Apple and Google from publishing transparency reports about this kind of thing. I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway here. Um, but yeah, as far as like technical protections go, um, it's, this is nothing new basically. And I've seen a lot of right. like people, uh, confused about like, can they see the content of the notifications and they've been like suggesting disabling signal message previews or proton message previews or that kind of thing. And that's all of that's not necessary because it's already taken care of on their end basically. Right. And I don't really blame kind of, I mean, like you said, I think the, the broader issue of the government and what they're doing is definitely the bigger story here. Mm -hmm. Um, because like you said, See, so like we have uh, to give a sneak preview into how, at least on the Techler side, we do things. These are the technical things that like Jonah and I might be aware of, but we're not necessarily going to like get into that nitty gritty stuff in an eight to 10 minute video talking about Signal. That kind of stuff gets simplified too. Signal has a lot of technical protections in place to keep you safe. Yeah. <laughs> like, like just this, this is like one of like 50 things that Signal's going to do um, differently than another messenger that we don't have time to cover. Maybe that could be its own thing of like all the shit that Signal does front to back. And it's just incredibly complex and complicated. And it's the stuff that we're digging into behind the scenes. And it's kind of like, I think it's kind of the nonsense stuff that I hate dealing with. I have to, <laughs> but like, I hate getting it, like reading people like, well, this has this implementation and it's a little bit more better than this one. That's a little bit better than this. And it's like, dude, I hate these technical discussions, but I have to be a part of them to like relay things properly sure. to people. But my point here is that like it's been known by people on the technical side of things for a while, but I don't think it's common knowledge. I don't think mo many people knew that like, oh, I didn't think about my push notifications yeah. and how that has any kind of attack surface whatsoever. Um, so I think you're right. And I think it's good for people to know the story, understand something new and then calm down a little bit probably. Um, and I wanted to mention too, like I sent you an audio message on signal, uh, when you were like, Oh, who's this guy, Ron Wyden? And he seems pretty cool and pretty base. And I'm going, dude, you don't know Ron Wyden. Like, like so many of these anti-surveillance bills all come out of Wyden. 
um, he's really been doing a lot of good work the last few years, and I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm terrible with <laughs> names, but it seems like Oregon has done something right with that one, so that's good. Well, if people have more questions, leave them below. I don't. It's one of those things that we're trying to like now bring a technical topic out to the more mainstream. And so I don't know if we did a good job of explaining it. So if there's anything that's still confusing, let us know in the comments. Yeah. Um, and the tour project announcements. So we both tuned into the first. There was a it's a two day event. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tuned into the first day and it sounds like neither of us were able to make the second day. Yeah. But you, there's some exci- there are some announcements from the tour project that you liked a lot. Yeah, um, the biggest things that I've seen have been like part of their work of rewriting all of this stuff in Rust, and they're working on a new um, Tor VPN client right now that's going to replace Orbot. Um, so that's upcoming pretty soon, I think, um, probably within the next year, I, I believe they said. Um, so uh, I've just seen screenshots of it right now. It's already available for like testing in like in alpha build or something, um, and maybe we can show some screenshots on the screen, but. Um, it, it looks like a super cool replacement. I, I'm not a fan of Orbot, like in general, it's kind of, it's always been a little buggy in my experience kind of on Android. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm just excited to <laughs> see some, see some progress being made on that front. Um, uh, of rewrite stuff. Have you tried it on iOS? Orbot? Uh, I yeah. have just a couple times. I don't regularly use yeah. it. Yeah. I downloaded it. It's on my iOS device. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've actually ever used it. I don't ever have to use Tor Browser on mobile. Right. Um, well, and on Android, so I need to try it. I found out that Tor Browser is like incompatible with Workbot or something. You can't use both at the same time. Oh, I didn't know that. If if you have like uh, the lockdown mode Android kill switch enabled with Orbot, you can't like access Tor through Tor Browser at the same time. It's kind of some some strange problems I have to look into um, with it. Weird. Yeah. So that's the kind yeah. of thing that like having a more cohesive ecosystem on mobile for Tor is is super cool stuff. So that's kind of the main reason I'm excited about this new Tor VPN stuff that they're working on right now. Right. Well, do you know anything about the Guardian project? Because didn't Orbot, isn't Orbot under or was originally developed by the Guardian project? Yes. Orbot in yes. Orfox, which has now been discontinued, but that was like the browser. So is the Guard. I don't know. Has the Guardian project kind of just <laughs> abandoned their projects and now the Tor project is picking them up? Is that what's going on behind the scenes? I'm not sure what's going on behind the scenes with them. I see a lot of like mixed information about the Guardian project. Um, there's a lot of like issues with they, their Android repos and that kind of thing. Yeah, it seems like yeah, they... they're definitely like slowing down development, that kind of thing. I, I, I can't really say what's going on. It seems like Tor project is kind of... They've been like working on a lot more stuff lately, I've noticed, and they're kind of taking in more stuff under their under their wing. Um, right. Which is well, that was cool. my favorite announcement. Was they in in the whole Tor project state of the onion announcement for the project? They were talking about Molvad browser. Mm-hmm. That was what I wanted to bring and, up next too. Yeah, that was so exciting to me because you know, like like both of us and probably a lot of people were wondering. It's like how much involvement does Tor? I mean. Mulvad says, and every time you open the Mulvad browser, it's like, yeah, this is a formal collaboration with the Tor project. And Mulvad has been consistently updating it and all of this stuff. And like to have the Tor project officially mention Mulvad in their announcements is a huge deal. And like you said, um, after we got off the call, um, it's not much work for them is what they said. Right. They said like, yeah, we just patch things and kind of like help out Mulvad to do their browser as well. And it's not too much more work for them. But I still think it's a cool 
initiative nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, because Tor Project is actually doing the majority of like the development work on that project, for example. All they have to do really is recompile Tor Browser without the Tor integrations. Um, so it isn't that much work. But it gives them, they were saying it gives them an opportunity to um, like test out features on a more mainstream browser before bringing it into Tor. Um, and that it, it brings that protection to a lot more people, basically, um, which I think is super cool what, what Tor is doing. And I think that stuff like Malved Browser and stuff like that Tor VPN client is going to make Tor much easier for, for everyone to use, which is awesome stuff on their end. Yeah, it was, an, it was an exciting announcement. I really enjoyed it. I've never tuned into a State of the Onion, I think, because it was the Tor marketing lead who reached out to me and was like, hey, you should tune into this. <laughs> and I think they did it last year, and I wasn't able to tune in last year. Mm-hmm. But um, this year, I did put it on my calendar. And then you did you how did you know? Because I, I was online. You're like, oh, yeah, you're online. You got there before me. So you. <laughs> heard about it without my involvement uh they posted it to their blog i think um got it but yeah i wonder why they directly messaged me then about it just make sure you watched <laughs> it <laughs> they're like henry you gotta watch this or else um okay <laughs> mm, i should have come up with some sort of transition to talking about my tour vpn video <laughs> oh so, so you're, you're working on that and well i posted and that not a next cloud video well i already posted this tour vpn video Oh, that one, that one. Oh, that's right. We forgot to talk about it in the live stream. So now you want to shill it. (laughs) So now I want to shill it here, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, I was just thinking, like, as far as this Orbot Tor VPN stuff goes, it's, it's, it'll be nice to have, like, a good free VPN option, right? But Tor still has, like, a lot of issues with malicious exit nodes and that kind of thing that makes it hard for me to recommend as like solely a vpn replacement um so i don't know that could be a whole separate video honestly yeah but i think my hot take here (laughs) is if someone doesn't want to pay for a vpn and they're just looking for some basic protection they're probably not the people who are concerned about like the small likelihood that one malicious tor exit node is compromised for that one session you know i think it's just it's i would say that like free tor vpn is better than a navo right yeah i definitely (laughs) agree it's it's better than like other free vpns that you're gonna find generally um but yeah some of that some of that stuff is like pretty widespread as far as like um especially we've seen news reports about like just hijacking unencrypted um, websites like cryptocurrency sites, for example, to replace like the QR codes you send crypto to the wrong address or replacing unencrypted downloads with malware, that kind of thing. It's you definitely have to have like a heightened level of security awareness when you're using Tor to browse the clear net in general, because at least until HTTP goes away forever, it's still kind of like a threat to your unencrypted traffic. I was going to say, if you wanted, we could, if you wanted to like cut this into an earlier segment, we could talk about simple mobile tools too, but that's the other big story I've just seen lately. I don't know if you've been keeping up with that at all. No, I mean, I saw it on the Techler forum, which everyone should join, by the way, because mm-hmm. people have already discussed this and shared their thoughts and 
So if you haven't heard about this, you should join the forum. Yeah, just join the forum, you guys. <laughs> just just join the forum. It's like it's the right thing to do. Um, but um, well, you brought it up, so you can go ahead and share the story. Oh. It'd feel weird just taking the mic from you there, but yeah, uh, yeah, we can talk about that. Simple mobile tools um, is a pretty is a set of pretty popular like free and open source Android apps to replace like stock apps like the gallery dialer calendar that kind of thing um but they were bought by and also throwback they tried to release a phone i want to say november of last year yeah the simple phone and they sent me one and i had it in my closet and they did a whole recall and had to ship it back really so that didn't work yeah and this i i think a lot of people forgot about the phone and so this actually is an important part of the story so that people are talking about so you so go ahead and tell the story yeah I'd like to tie it back to the phone. That's really interesting. So Simple Mobile Tools was basically acquired. It was sold by the owner to um, this company that seems to be known for taking mobile apps and adding advertisements and subscriptions to them and making them proprietary, all that kind of thing. So it's not a super great look for um, that organization or like all of the people who purchased um, their Pro Tools on Play Store. Um if you got those tools from F-Droid, you shouldn't be affected by this because um, F-Droid has like pretty strict requirements on like apps being open source, that kind of thing. And they've already like stopped taking code contributions for those apps from um, the Simple Mobile Tools repo directly. So you, you're not going to see those changes, I don't think, on F-Droid. But if you got those apps from the Play Store, you might start seeing kind of weird updates coming soon um, from from these new owners of that um so it just it's, it's it's a strange development that went down. Um, they've already been forked by like some of the old contributors to the previous project. They're, so they're working on like getting those apps back into the open source space. But yeah, it's it's strange stuff. Right, it is really strange, and it's a bummer. Um, obviously, I don't have any context around this that the public doesn't have. Yeah. Um, outside of my communication with what I think is the lead developer of simple or their organization when they were sending me the phone. Um, they seemed really nice and everything. So this is all just speculation on my end. Um, but it's a bummer. It seems like there is, there is no, you know how, even when a company like Apple does something and it's like, Oh, that's pretty crappy of them, but I can kind of understand how it benefits this person. Mm-hmm. I, I actually can't justify this in any way. Um, like, I don't know what demographic this would benefit outside of just the owner wanted to sell it and not worry about it anymore and make some money. Right. I think that's um, what it comes down to. I think I saw a comment from him on like their GitHub issue tracker where he, he was like, just kind of giving up on Android in general. He wasn't happy with the state of how Android is turning out actually. So he was like, he just wanted to get out of the whole space basically. Um, interesting. Is that a good excuse? I don't know, but it's kind of valid to be honest with you. I'm frustrated with Android all the time too. So <laughs> I see where he's coming from right, from that perspective. But. Right. And I think tying this back to the phone, I think that the phone might have been, and maybe that's what it is. You know, maybe it'd be fun to interview him, actually. Um, <laughs> be kind of a hot take interview. But I think that I could approach it and be like, hey, yeah, people are pissed. But like, is there more to this? Like, maybe there's actually something to learn from this situation. Mm-hmm. But um, he tried to make that simple phone, which had its own OS, if you remember that. So yep. it had its own Android ROM and it came with the simple suite and it was a phone that they were shipping and it was well presented. I had the phone. Um, I didn't never unboxed it. So it was easy for me to ship it back and everything, but 
Like they really went for that. And I think that was probably his attempt and he went all out and trying to maybe have some kind of version of Android that fits his vision. And there was some kind of hardware issue. That's what he told me. Interesting. There was some kind of hardware issue that required them to recall their devices. And so I shipped it back. Um, and they never actually released the phones. And I could see how someone trying something that ambitious would be frustrated and annoyed and just be like, I'm done with this mm -hmm. and move on. Um, but luckily, everything's open source. So like you said, hopefully some people fork it and they actually maintain the project. So there's still going to be an existing open source version of it. Um, yeah, it's just a weird situation. Yeah, it's unfortunate that like app developers could just... I mean, basically what he's doing is he's selling out the user base on the Play Store, right? Um, because all of the people who are like interested in like the open source aspect of it, they're going to be getting it from Fdroid or GitHub, and they're going to be up to date with these with these changes. But if you just recommended this to like your mom, for example, this is a simple gallery app that you can use, and it doesn't have any ads or anything. All of a sudden, uh, she's going to get an update probably in the in the future from the Play Store that adds all these changes. It's it's annoying for other people who aren't going to be aware of this purchase at all. Why don't we yeah, talk about? Why don't we talk about your talk for uh, at the Bitwarden security conference? So true. <laughs> so true. I'm trying to find you a left signal. Oh, there you are. Um, yeah, no, this morning, uh, it was like I had to wake up at 7.30, <laughs> which is early for me. Um, I'm a late. I don't know. I, I actually, you know what? My sleep, it's like I wake up at like 8, 8.30. But it feels, it doesn't matter. If I wake up 30 minutes earlier than that, I just it kills me. <laughs> um, I just have a super consistent sleep schedule. And so anything that's a little bit different. I also can't sleep in past that too. Hmm. So it's weird. But yeah, I woke up this morning. Uh, there was a panel at the Bitwarden Open Source Security Conference, uh, which they invited me to speak at, which was super exciting. And I was I was really hyped for it because you have like <laughs> some of these like massive names who are speaking there at this conference. Um, look, let me... They're so massive that I forgot, <laughs> but I'm just tired. <laughs> Long day for you um, today. Yeah, I needed today to just unwind. It's been a crazy week. So like Brian Krebs is there and like Yost from Nextcloud and then someone from the Tor project was there. Like these are like big names and I'm like, holy crap. Like I can't believe I'm like going to be speaking alongside these people. It was a little intimidating, um, but it was fortunately just a panel. It wasn't like a whole discussion. I had to plan and everything. And uh, it was a good panel. We talked about uh, open source security in like a workplace environment and how open source can benefit that kind of area. And there's a lot of overlap between, I think, the issues that they deal with in a corporate environment and what end users deal with. So it wasn't the worst thing for me to pivot over to talk about because um, it's about humans, I think. Right. You know, like the, the way to get an employee to understand the importance of cybersecurity is to make it more human and make it personal and uh, make it individual, which is the same shit that we deal with, right? Because you can't just go at the dinner table and be like, hey, you guys should care about privacy and security and digital rights and all this other stuff. And they should go, oh yeah, you're so right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and then they move on with their days and they just, they're just perfect from there on out. And it's like, no, like you actually have to understand what makes them tick. It's the same issue. Like, how do I get my friends to use Signal? Like, I don't know. Why would your friend want to use Signal? Do they care about features? Do they want to hear about how Signal can be an anti-censorship tool? What do they want to hear about Signal? So it was a good talk. Right. Uh, like, And I felt very validated because the other person there was like, I agree with Henry. And I go, oh, you do. That's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, it went well. It was only like 15, 20 minutes, I think. And I'm going to try to get video for that so I can like post stuff about it afterwards. Um, cool. 
and yeah, because yeah. so I was my I first non cryptocurrency but... conference. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> really branching yeah, out for you. You missed it? I did. Yeah, I wasn't able to watch, but if you get a recording, I'd like to check out the panel. So, yeah, Hopefully. yeah, I'll let you know. Uh, I still need to reach out to the Bitwarden uh, team and get that video and see what kind of rights I have to it because I don't think they're publishing them publicly afterwards. I don't know. I need to ask them. All right. So we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll all find out if you can watch my talk. But it was really fun. Um, I can't believe you missed it. I Unbelievable. Know. It was early in the morning, man. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, for you, that's like not that early at all. Well, for me, any time <laughs> in the morning is too early. <laughs> when did you wake up this morning? Who knows? I keep checking that stuff. <laughs> what do you mean, who knows? What time did you wake up this morning? You, you memorize that every day? <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. I have like my calendar every day, every, every minute's mapped out. I woke up and... whenever I woke up. I had to go take an exam this afternoon today, so I went went and did that yeah um. oh speaking of <laughs> so you got a letter from the iscc isc square that was related to what i was doing this afternoon yeah okay yeah <laughs> so can you talk we about just it? did that uh well i don't know <laughs> not much to talk about we we were just doing that security cybersecurity uh, certification that i had sent you a few months ago right um and i scheduled the test for today um just, just to take it, I, I forgot that I had done it until like earlier this week. I haven't really studied for it at all. But for, for was it in person or online? It is in person. Um, had to oh, go nice. to like a testing center. Um, but it was just I just took it in like twenty minutes and then passed. Nice. But interesting stuff. Oh, so they tell you if you pass right away. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I need to finish the course. I think I'm like seventy or eighty percent of the way through. Um, so when I finish that, it'd be nice. So I can have that formal stamp formal. on Google. Yeah, it's, it's good to get that external validation for sure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's, that's what it's about, man. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we got to talk about some fun stuff today. And thank you, Jonah, for your time and uh, being patient as I was a little bit late. And um, for everyone who's watching, again, thank you again for listening. And if you like what we're doing, join the forum. And you can keep up. A lot of the stuff we're talking about right now in this podcast has already been discussed on the forum. And people have already shared their thoughts. And there's actually probably a little bit more uh, perspectives on this. That's not just from us two. And if you like what we do in general, definitely consider supporting us. You know, we do have sponsors. Tutanota sponsors some of the videos. Um, and then we have NT and Notesnook on the forum. But like we wouldn't be able to have such high standards because we get so much bullcrap sponsor offers from people. It's like so bad. And some people offer like two or three times the amount of money that we require and we still say no. And we can do that because of people who are supporting us because you guys allow us to be independent. So if you want to help us be independent, Patreon is a great way to do that. Patreon.com slash techlore. If you don't like Patreon, we're on LibraPay. We support Monero contributions. There's a lot of ways to support us. Techlore.tech slash support if you want to see all of them. And check out Jonah's video, too, about <laughs> Tor versus VPN and why Jonah actually kind of recommends using a VPN with Tor yeah. for a lot of people. Hot take, Hot take. yeah. <laughs> Jakes. <laughs> All right. See you all next time.